I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world, around this COVID spiking world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And as always, I'm joined by awesome you know him as austin ward that is if you're his mom and dad i know him as awesome ward awesome welcome to the tim may podcast yet again thanks tim uh starting to feel like some of those ones we did in, in march and april just somber somber mood uh, i thought we'd be past this but um as as we've talked about before a number of times this thing can come in and bite you at any time Yes, it can. And just when you think you got the door shut, you know what I mean? Maybe you needed a little bit more insulation around that door to keep it out. And uh, I think Ohio State figured that out, found that out this past week and uh, with having to uh, cancel their trip to Illinois. And as you and I were talking before we went on, uh, started recording this podcast, uh, good chance they, they canceled that trip. They were red in one area, orange in the other, which gave them the the ability uh, under the Big Ten pr- uh, protocol set, set about by dealing with COVID-19 uh, to cancel that trip to Illinois and basically with the idea of saving maybe the last three weekends of their season. As Gene Smith said, the number one uh, challenge this week, they're not looking past Michigan State from the standpoint, definitely shouldn't look past them as a team, but not looking past the game against Michigan State. That's what their focus is on is trying to get to that game, get that game in, and then move on from there. And, uh, you know, the way I understand it, they've got a, they've, they've got a decent shot at that. Uh, and uh, this is just stuff I've collected over the weekend I wanted to share on the podcast because, you know, this podcast kind of stays up all week. And we record it on Monday mornings. But, uh, in essence, Ohio State's challenge is pretty much to be COVID-19 free in terms of new positive tests over three tests this week and one was Sunday the way I understand it there's a good chance they have zero positives from that test they'll do another one Tuesday and uh and if they get one done Tuesday there's a good chance they can even work out I think Tuesday afternoon whether they'll practice or not you know remains to be seen Uh, I'm not sure whether they could work out Uh, obviously the Woody Hayes Athletic Center they shut that down for a little while we'll see when that opens but uh uh, and then if they can get a third test in with zeros or they might have wiggle room for one more new positive test uh, because it's based on, you know, it's a sliding scale based on a certain amount of time. It's not just you get a clean slate on Sunday, you know, and start testing again, as you all know, because of the contact tracing and everything else. But there's a very good chance they'll get to play at Michigan State if they can, I think, get through three tests uh, this week uh, with zeros or possibly one more uh, uh, is that the way you understand it also yeah and I think that that was the that was the logic that they were using to shut down that trip to Illinois because if you if you popped one more trying to play that game and you know I, I hate to make it sound like that or so cavalier I don't mean it that way but if somebody got on that plane and and just one more person two more people got it and, and then you're red red Ohio State would have been forced to shut down according to that, that big Ten guidelines for seven days which would have, you know, you would have got the Illinois game, but you wouldn't have been able to play at all against Michigan State. And suddenly, uh, you know, depending on how, how widely spread it was, then you're uh, putting the game in jeopardy on December 12th. So the trade for one for two is maybe with an eye on that minimum games requirement, but also obviously health and safety and making sure that nobody else got infected. Um, and, you know, the way that Ohio State has approached this with trying to get them back to play and open up the Woody what you said, you know, you have to have a couple of days of zeros. It's that seven-day rolling average. Um, yeah. you know, whether they would go right back into a full practice on Tuesday afternoon, uh, that may not be the case. And Ryan Day said that he only really uh, would want his team to have or, or a minimum of one full padded practice, and he would be comfortable with that happening on Thursday. So, you know, we'll see exactly what happens because so, mu- so much of this is pointless to predict. We can't, yeah. as, as it's been demonstrated, we can't control – or predict what's going to happen 
with any accuracy once that virus gets a hold of a team or a roster or a facility. Um, so it's, it's some that that's cliche that we all hate about day to day is really extremely accurate in this situation. And by the way, I wanted to let people know I've got a, a special guest coming up uh, uh, on this program in a little while. Uh, uh, Jack Ebling from uh, basically he's covered Michigan State and everything to do with Michigan State for like four or five decades. He's going to be as a radio host up there. Uh, great show up there that I've been on quite a few times out of East Lansing, out of Lan- the Lansing area. He's going to be on. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things, including uh, the impact, you know, uh, you know, for Michigan State, the way Michigan State has has basically uh, been a little bit of a surprise this year, you know, et cetera. But also, you know, his view of Ohio State and uh, the the challenge Ohio State is dealing with, et cetera, and also the challenge Michigan's dealing with, <laughs> and uh, Penn State just a you know kind of a look at the uh, at the Big Ten as a whole. But uh, you know, the interesting thing is. Like you just said, Ohio State's challenge to, is to try to get to that game on Saturday at Michigan State. And we well know, you know, um, Ohio State has requested and kind of forcefully requested that we not reveal names in the, uh, of people who have tested positive. You pretty much have to wait until Saturday to find out who, who has had a positive test because it will be obvious. I think there will be some, some players – missing from the starting lineup and of course that's a 21 day sentence for one of another term uh, based on the uh, big 10 protocols of when and where you test positive but uh, there could be a few starters missing the way i understand it we'll see how that goes uh, but the bottom line is if they get to the zeros of these first three days of testing this week there's a great chance they're still going to be able to play second and third teams to still beat everybody uh, in the Big Ten. But there's a good chance it could beat a lot of everybody's <laughs> and a lot of the everybody, the anybody's. And uh, so we'll see how that goes this week. But uh, back to what we are talking about, Ryan Day, you can just tell by the tone of his voice on Saturday when we had that, um, that Zoom conference call with him, he's really bummed out, man, that every all the effort he has put into this, his staff has put into this, uh, et cetera, there, it, COVID still uh, slipped in through the cracks, so to speak. I mean, I'm not sure they ever figured out exactly, you know, who the typhoid Terry was, so to speak, in this deal. But uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer to him, especially for him. I mean, he sacrificed a lot, staying away from his family almost the entire fall, et cetera, and yet he comes down with it. So it, you could just tell by the tone of his voice. He, he felt like he'd taken a loss, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, there are uh, theories within the program and outside of the program about where that started. It really doesn't matter. Um, yeah. You'd hate to point the blame for any one slip anywhere, but this tells you how tenuous the whole thing is because Ohio State and, again, and Alabama, I mean, both. Um, you can't – there's no way you could convince me that after all the sacrifices, the attention to detail from those two people, Ryan Day and Nick Saban, that they were not doing everything possible for their team, but they are one person. They are at the top, but they're at one out of 170. And, um, you know, everybody has to remain vigilant. Josh Myers had just talked about this last week uh, <laughs> that, you know, he hadn't gone to the grocery store. He hadn't been anywhere but his apartment in the Woody or, or you know, the Horseshoe or Penn State, you know, since whenever, August, because any – any exposure outside of those places put him at risk. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's hard to do. Like think about all of us living our lives, you know, a grocery store for one, but, um, you know, trying to do our jobs and, you know, go, go to roosters on Monday and they make sure that you're always wearing masks. It's, it's hard. Like we're all tired of it. Uh, we've been doing it since March and I get it, the frustration, but you know, now, you see how, how much that was weighing on Ryan Day because so many people had made so many sacrifices for so long, dating back to June when they were allowed to come back to campus and they'd had that one, uh, you know, pause where they had to shut things down. I think that was the first week of July. Uh, and yeah. then since then, you know, staying at basically 0%. Now that doesn't mean they had had no positive tests. I think that that was sort of a, you know, clever wording there to avoid it, 0% 
does not mean they had zero positive tests. But, um, you know, it's even when they had had an issue or two pop up, you know, they had reacted so quickly with their daily testing, with, you know, their response, with isolation. You know, they they had felt great about what they were doing to keep it under control. And then after all that, you get to, you know, Thanksgiving week and, and a holiday and, and really towards the stretch run of the season. And then it pops up again. And, you know, once it's in, it, you know, that's, it's hard to, to build a new barricade once it gets there. So you could tell that not only was Ryan Day disappointed just for that one weekend, and obviously he got it himself and wanted to stay healthy, wants all of his team to be healthy. But, you know, I think the uncertainty of what would come next can you make sure that you're able to get back on the field this year uh, or that nobody needs serious? Again, I'm trying to put this in context of we understand that he wants everybody healthy, but just from the football side, how do you even proceed from that once it's in and you have no concrete answer? You just don't know what's going to happen. And that's, so that's, that makes it doubly frustrating, especially after everything they've been through. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, Ryan Day himself, I think it what he it faces a ten day, I think minimum quarantine, right? I mean, before he's allowed to rejoin the team in a, a tactical manner or strategical strategic manner, strategery manner. Yeah, next and, uh, next Tuesday is my understanding. Yeah, and uh, several other assistant. There's a good chance several assistant coaches also uh, are dealing with this. You know, we've been given no numbers by Ohio State in that regard. The only, the only way we know it's at least 13 or 14 is just based on the fact they had the red flag, you know, on the one on the one statistical category of tier one, what they call tier one personnel for the football program, which is basically 170 people. Uh, 13 or 14 clearly must have tested positive over that uh, seven day span. Mm-hmm. And that's why that caused the, the step back. You know, the interesting thing from here is I've been saying this all along and, you know, you know I, you know how, especially when you don't talk radio shows or television shows, they're they're always looking for definitive answers for, uh, for ether, in my opinion, or cloud questions. Meaning, well, can they still get into the college football playoff with five or six wins? Who knows, right? That's what I keep saying. I'm I've been telling people this uh, uh, two months ago that no one's going to play. I don't think a complete schedule. Just because you've rescheduled games in the SEC, for example, pushed them back, doesn't mean they're going to get played. Uh, the problem, of course, with the Big Ten is it left itself no buffer zone to absorb. And I talk about that with Jack Ebling later, but because uh, he's been around the Big Ten for a long time, and this is this is the problem that the Big Ten, uh, the corner it painted itself into, because it had a great schedule to begin with to, to deal with these kind of challenges, but then backed away from it. And then that came out with uh, nine games, in essence, including the plus game in nine weeks. That was never going to work uh, on a full basis for everybody, just based on statistical uh, probabilities. And and so, but here's my my take on that right up front is uh, I think you know I still I still believe if Ohio State gets to seven and zero, which is still a possibility, it's in the college football playoff. I really think if it gets to six and zero, it's in the college football playoff now, based on the way things are happening, we're going to know more when the latest college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night, whether Ohio State loses ground. Obviously, it was number four last week. Clemson, I'm sure, solidified its number three ranking the way it played yeah. uh, over the weekend. But whether the college football playoffs committee still sees Ohio State as truly viable, we're going to know on Tuesday night. Don't you agree? Yeah, and it's hard to know what really would have changed between uh, last Tuesday and this Tuesday because yeah. – Well, Ohio State didn't get to play a game. Yeah. But, like, did did the committee need to see them beat Illinois um, without Ryan Day? Like, they have all these, you know, eye test things that they use and excuses they'll make with you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't play or somebody was hurt in this game. Like, it, Ryan Day wasn't going to coach and they were going to play Illinois. Like, I'm not sure that that game really should have – tip the scales one way or another. So, Well, let me interrupt you, though. But Ohio State was going to be led by Larry Bombsaway Johnson. So I see what you're talking about, you know. Uh, (laughs) Man, I was so looking forward to seeing how that whole machinery was going to work without Ryan Day calling plays. But go ahead. You're right. Yeah. You know, hopefully, knock on wood, we get to see that on on Saturday anyway against Michigan State. Uh, We'll see how that works out. But, you know, that's that's the part – 
that is uh, just silly to me with the way that this committee operates and the way that from one week to another, what they could evaluate could be completely different. I don't see how you could have put any stock in what happened against Illinois, uh, no matter what. And giving them even just put one more win in the win column, I just I never understand why that matters. If if they well, here's here's why it matters. Let me interrupt you though, because you know it's not necessarily your fault. It's not Ohio State's fault it didn't get to play Maryland. You know, you, but you can assign Ohio State fault for the fact it didn't get to play Illinois. But with COVID-19, I don't know how you can assign fault, you know what I mean, one way or the other. But the, but the bottom line is, uh, I think Oregon has now played as many games as Ohio State has. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, uh, Clemson and Alabama have played twice as many games. Uh, Texas A&M, Florida have played twice as many games as Ohio State has now. They put themselves in jeopardy in that regard by playing games. So I understand, I can understand some, some of the argument that, you know, even if Ohio State is 6-0, and 5-0, and and the other teams have played twice as many games one way or the other, uh, that you could take that into account. I mean, I yeah, – got, I've got no problem with that, Tim. I, under, I completely understand what you're saying. I, I, my only point was that this committee has already said with four games that it was yes. giving Ohio State a pass on the, on the eye test. And that's, that part I don't see how that could change. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said Tuesday, the way they rank the teams yeah. on Tuesday, I think is going to be interesting to see if they stick with that, you know. Yep. But there comes a time when you got to play some games, you know. You, 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 you've either got to rack up a championship or get, you know, six six or seven games. Like like Jack Ebling and I talk about later on this podcast, you know, Ohio State versus Wisconsin, if it doesn't qualify for the Big Ten championship game by not having played you know, the requisite games, Ohio State versus Wisconsin, that'll be an interesting game. That that would probably do more for Ohio State than playing a Northwestern that just got beat by Michigan State in a championship game. You follow my drift? And it would certainly annoy uh, Fox, which has moved the Big Ten championship game and made it a big noon game. Like, yeah. I really think, you know, as, as much as I've tried to point out the, the ludicrous nature of this minimum game, six-game minimum and the tie-breaking process – you know, no one's going to listen to me. And Gene Smith said he wasn't in a hurry at this point to make any call to the Big Ten to change that. Where that's likely to come from is going to be the broadcast partners. Oh, yeah. You can't – they're going to sit there and say uh, one loss, maybe Northwestern and Indiana, which lost to Ohio State. That's the big noon Big Ten championship game. I don't think so. We want Ohio State, undefeated Ohio State, playing to get into the playoff, defending their three conference championships in a row. Uh, the biggest draw in the league and the best team. With Justin Fields. Yeah. yeah. Do not do this. And they, you know, as soon as they say that, I think that the, the six-game minimum will disappear. And it also makes sense why it should. The league obviously recognized that there were going to be unbalanced schedules. That's why they put in the two games less if the average drops to six. Why did you put in the six? If you yeah. knew that it just needed to be two games less than the average, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Ohio State just needed to get to five when everybody else is playing seven, I understand there would be weird tiebreakers or weird things that you had to get into no matter what. And you can't prepare for every amount of chaos. But this doesn't make any sense at all, but, this scenario. That six, number, that six number was their back way of saying they're building in a two-game uh, two buffer, you know, that you could lose two games. Instead of, instead of making up those games, if those games don't happen, you're not penalized for it. I mean, it's kind of their backwards way of, you know, now they, they are penalizing against, them because of that. Yeah, and that's, they left a little mouse hole instead of leaving a door in the corner they painted themselves into. They left a mouse hole, right. you know, and, uh, and they will have to revisit that and try to wiggle through that mouse. But you're right. I mean, uh, that's what Jack and I talk about in a little while. I hate to keep giving away what Jack and I are talking about, but Ohio State, Wisconsin would probably be twice the ratings uh, without a doubt. of a Big Ten championship game without those two teams in it. And that's what – you're right. I mean, I, I really think the network would step in in that regard because this is a season like none other, you know, kind of like the Masters. <laughs> the Masters hey, uh, November. Yeah. Hey, just, you know, you and I both have people we talk to in and around the program and stuff, and uh, it was amazing how the angst ramped up last week as the week went along. And even the football program, you know, with its own Twitter site, uh, tried to put out encouraging messages with pictures of 
of guys enjoying practice, you know, like on Wednesday and uh, enjoying Thanksgiving uh, dinner on Thursday together in a wide open uh, Woody Hayes Athletic Center slash cafeteria. Um, I don't know. As you look back on it now, when do you think they – when do you think they knew pretty sure that they weren't going to get to play on Saturday? Uh, I'm getting the impression that it was more like around Thursday than it was Friday. And uh, what's just your take on that? I know it's it's moot at this point, except, you know, you never like to feel sort of bamboozled. You know what I mean? I think that, um, you know, you could see the percentage slipping away by Thursday but there was still that possibility yeah. that they were grasping to as they headed into make, you know, double check some PCR tests and, and throw them all out there on Friday to make sure they were comfortable. When you commit to moving the flight to Saturday so that you don't have to fly on Friday and you don't have that hotel room, um, that, that to me was like, all right, they, yeah. they're still acting as if that game is going to be played, but there's no way that they really intend on – flying out at 8.30 in the morning, going straight to the stadium, and then flying home. That's If the health and safety of your team, which, again, has been the top priority for the Buckeyes uh, all along, I just – that's that's too much to ask of them to do, to fly out on the day of the game and come home. You just – you can't can't do it. You know what what vision popped into my head is those often told tale of Woody Hayes taking his team out for the Rose Bowl – the 1970 season, and uh, he's promising them he's going to go a little bit easier on them when they get out there and stuff. And then they're on the plane, and about an hour out, uh, they announce on the airplane they're they're going to start taping up everybody's ankles on the plane because right. they're going to go straight from the plane to practice. You know what I mean? And uh, and you know, I was just conjuring you know, in my head these visions of these guys getting taped up on the airplane on Saturday morning because. You know, there's not a whole lot of time. If you leave at 8.30, you land at 9.15. I'm talking about wheels up at 8.30. Yeah. You land at 9, 9, 9 o'clock, 9.15. You go straight to the stadium. You know, I mean, the way these uh, pregame rituals go, there's not a lot of time in there to waste. And that's what I was envisioning uh, was that kind of trip for them. But you're right. I mean, that was probably wasn't going to be played when they announced that on Friday. Yeah, and that's, you know – Berm and I had kind of waited as long as possible before hitting the road, but still didn't work out. You know, yeah. that's, that's the way it goes. You have to be prepared to cover the game. We didn't want to uh, drive out on the morning because we didn't have a private jet to go over to Champaign. But um, I, I wouldn't say that we were surprised about that. It just seemed like um, at least by Friday um, when they, you know, they confirmed Ryan Day's positive test and say they're going to fly out on Saturday, all of that you know, flashed warning signs. If it got to the top level with the coach uh, and they were, you know, tr- scrambling, canceling hotel rooms and, and and trying to come up with a plan for one, for one day out and in, I just – that's that's when it was like, okay. They hadn't even got the final test back, but they seemed to know what the, what the inevitable outcome was going to be at that point. You guys actually got the champagne, though, didn't you? Didn't you get the Champaign-Urbana, the Champaign-Urbana Metroplex? We sure did. Uh, we got to and, uh, go check into our hotel and um, – Every couldn't get any. There was no dining anywhere, so yeah, weren't, we weren't able to get pizza delivered at the spot we were at. So we just had had some Taco Bell. Uh, we had loaded up on some supplies to to drink when we got to the hotel room before we uh, departed. Also, uh, uh, beat veteran Kevin Noon had picked me up some uh, some soda pops from Champagne establishments that I bought out of the back of his car. And <laughs> there you go. Then Berman and I. Uh, you know, shot our video, uh, wrote some stuff, just spent the night in that hotel room, got right back on the, the highway, never saw, you know, the stadium or anything else there. Or, you know, that'll that'll be for next time. The weather there on Saturday morning, though, Tim, was oh, amazing. Dude, late November in Illinois, uh, I'm sitting here in Columbus, you know, and I'm just going, this is the most perfect football Saturday in late November. You know, in in olden times, this would have been the week of the game that last week was. It would have been the most perfect setting for Ohio State, Michigan ever. I mean, it was beautiful. And and like like Ryan Day was 
was uh, uh, was referring to uh, back in September. You know, all those great weekend days. I don't know if you remember, but almost every Saturday was a picture perfect postcard football Saturday, and they were going to the going by the wayside while the Big Ten waited to open the season. You know, late later rather than never. Right. Uh, just crazy. Hey, last thing. Uh, uh, by the way, you just saw you. What you witnessed there uh, on the road was a post-apocalyptic football situation. I mean, uh, you know, who knows when this thing's going away. Thank goodness there are vaccines being developed as we speak. Uh, Just one quick thing. How do you think Ohio State will be ready? Uh, How do you think they will be equipped to go on the road for Michigan State on Saturday if, in fact, the game happens, Uh, possibly missing a few – a couple of its assistant coaches and Ryan Day, uh, with Larry Johnson large and in charge. I mean, you know, like I said, we discussed that last week. I just think, you know, he will handle that problem, that situation with with a plum because I think he's been a head coach in waiting for too long. But uh, how do you think that'll go down, man? If you're missing a few couple of three starters and uh, your head coach, et cetera, what do you th- what do you think the setting will be like? I think that you know there is such a, a wide talent disparity between the two that I, I don't imagine if they're ready to go, if they're you know, 65, 70, 75, however many, Ohio State's roster, you know, you mentioned it earlier on, that the second and third team is still more than talented enough uh, to cruise past Michigan State, which is just not very good. It's, it's remarkable that they've been able to come up with the two wins that they have, those upsets. Um, they've alternated that with looking absolutely terrible. So, um, But the most interesting part to me is not necessarily – game day mechanics or, or coaching staff or Larry Johnson, you know, this routine that we've talked about so much, Ohio State is so far off kilter on that. And they haven't, you know, had a fully padded practice since last Tuesday. We're not sure when exactly they're going to get one this week. If they go from Tuesday to this Thursday, for example, and have one padded practice and just a bunch of walkthroughs and going against trash cans, you know, are they going to be in that kind of game shape that you need to be for the, you know, last couple of weeks of a Big Ten schedule? It's you got to trust on that training. You know that Mickey Murati is doing everything possible um, when they're when they're allowed in the facility when they're doing stuff to make sure their bodies are right. But as we've said a number of times, the only way to prepare to play this game is by playing the game. You get better as the season goes on. Yeah, you have to have yeah. the live reps. And Ohio State has had very few of them this year, not just practice, but only four games. And that's um, – I think that's the biggest question for me. Yeah, you know, as you were talking there about the routine, I, I paraphrase uh, the late Bo Schembechler, you know. It's the routine, the routine, <laughs> the routine. I mean, that, that literally makes your team, man. And uh, uh, we'll see where it goes. You know what, let's, let's break right here. Let's introduce – I'm going to introduce my, uh, my interview with Jack Ebling. We'll come back with some final thoughts. But uh, like I said, you know – Jack Ebling's one of my favorite people out there. He and I have known each other for 40 years, and uh, he's a veteran when it comes to these kind of situations. And, of course, covering uh, Michigan State in particular, but the state of Michigan in general, he has some interesting thoughts, you know, about those two programs, especially what's going on in Ann Arbor and what might be going on in Ann Arbor uh, when this season is done. But, you know, let's listen to Jack here for a minute. We'll be back with some final thoughts. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, a command performance, return performance by uh, one of my good friends in the business, in the business, uh, Jack Ebling. Jack, welcome to the Tim May Podcast again. Hey, Tim. How are you? I hope you're staying COVID-free. I'm, I am staying COVID-free so far, brother. How about yourself? Yeah, so far. Free and out you of know, jail. That's good. You, you and I are in that critical demographic. We got to stay COVID-free. You know what I'm saying? That's We've right. Seen Tell from the, the hair and beard color. Yeah, we've seen a lot of sunrises. Well, I haven't seen that many sunrises. I've seen a lot of sunsets. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we've seen hey, sunrises, uh, but we haven't been to bed yet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Never been to Spain either. But uh, but that's another story. Uh, just give us a, a quick update. Uh, Ohio State is as we as you and I record this is proposed to try to play a game at Michigan State this week and. Uh, I'm just wondering, from your vantage point, you have that great radio show. Plug your radio show. What station are you on? What time are you on? But real quick, we're on the Spotlight Radio Network from three to six, and it's the Drive with Jack Ebling, and occasionally 
we're lucky enough to have guests like Tim May, as we will this afternoon. Yeah, there you go. A, rating, a ratings boost, ladies and gentlemen. I'm most known as a ratings pumper, but I digress. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what is your view from uh, 200 miles away, so to speak, as a crow flies, uh, of what's going on with Ohio State from the standpoint of, number one, how stunned are you the Ohio State has still only played four games? And number two, for your, you know, you've been a, a long-time, many-time award-winning journalist, et cetera, who's kept up with college football as well as anybody, along with college basketball. I'll throw that in there for sure. But uh, how is this affecting, you think, their uh, reputation more than anything else uh, uh, with the college football playoff, uh, you know, and it's the, their viability for still getting in it if, in fact, they have to miss maybe another game? Go ahead. Well, first of all, nothing shocks me in 2020, but Ohio State shouldn't be held responsible for what happened in the Maryland week. Uh, that was had nothing to do with them and uh, really shouldn't be held responsible uh, for what happened last week. And I think if the Buckeyes do miss one more game and get healthy and come back and pound Michigan, as I fully expect they will, and then in the crossover week, let's say they can't play in the Big Ten championship game, but they play Wisconsin in a, a pretty appealing matchup. Uh, they could win that and have six victories. Six and zero Ohio State to me would be better than an undefeated Cincinnati team. And uh, I would look at Ohio State very favorably. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I, you know, I. But way back when I said if Ohio State could just get the seven and zero, this was like you know before the season yeah. started. Yeah, uh, I thought Ohio State would be in the college football playoff. Now I think that's a floating number uh, because of you yeah. know you look around the country, games are being uh, postponed or canceled all all over the place. Right. Uh, you saw Nick. You saw Nick Saban have to miss his game last week uh, with yeah. Alabama, and you never know when you know you're not going to get a knock on the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when COVID enters your uh, building. It's just going to show up on testing. And uh, you're right. I mean, as vigilant as you can be. And I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if anybody's been as vigilant as Ohio State. There still has to be some luck involved. And that's what we're talking about, right, a little bit. Yeah, and I, I kind of think it's cool that you could have Indiana and Northwestern play for a Big Ten championship at Lucas Oil Stadium and have Ohio State in the CFP. Yeah. Yeah, there, there you go. And, and play in Wisconsin on the same day. Yeah, you know they've they've already announced that that uh, the uh, Big Ten championship game is gonna is has been moved to noon. You know on that Saturday. Yeah, maybe they put Ohio yeah. State and Wisconsin in at prime time. Maybe they're maybe Fox is already thinking ahead on this. What do you think, Jack? Well, you know, follow the money, and uh, yeah. it looks like those that's a ratings winner. I could certainly see a big audience for Ohio State Wisconsin. Uh, still shocked that Wisconsin lost seventeen seven. To Northwestern, that was not the Northwestern team I saw Saturday in Spartan Stadium. But yeah, uh, I think the Ohio State Indiana game you saw was very competitive. Uh, Indiana probably deserves a shot in a game like this, and it might be a win-win. Yeah, there you go. And of course, you know, I just hope Ohio State is healthy. I want the Buckeyes to be a hundred percent for the Michigan game and beyond. And hey, if they come to East Lansing and play, I'm sure they'll put up a great effort, uh, regardless of who they have in, in uniform. A week ago, someone told me, hey, they could have uh, walk-ons and red shirts and managers and beat Michigan State. But the Spartan team we saw last week, uh, that wouldn't be the case. Well, that's a nice segue because, you know, anybody who presupposes that your backups – I mean, I just remember when the, when the Alabama backups went in against Missouri way back in the yeah. opening, opening game of the season, you know, I – I think they were shut out and Missouri actually scored points. You, you see what I'm saying? I think yeah. never take yeah. anyone's first team lightly is the way I look at it. And uh, yeah. Michigan State, my goodness, if Michigan State could just hang on to the football right. three consecutive possessions, you know, right. Rocky Rocky Fumbleitis Lombardi or whatever you want to call him, I mean, he's pretty good on occasion and, and occasionally he gives the ball to the other team. But, you know, just give me the Mel Tucker first year uh, et cetera. Give me an update right now or a report card on Michigan State and what, what Ohio State could be running into on Saturday. Well, this did not surprise me. A lot of things surprised me and a lot of things have surprised me, but this season hasn't been one of them. 
Uh, he was hired February 12th, spent that month hiring a staff, uh, wearing a lot of name tags around the football building, no spring practice, didn't have any of his own players, came in, no quarterback, had uh, eight new starters on defense, uh, had three workouts before the rug was pulled, then decided, okay, well, we're not going to have fall football. So uh, unlike Michigan that kept working out, they said, we're going to go to the weight room. We're going to try to get as strong as at least some of the teams in the Big Ten. And then they found out they were playing again. So it didn't surprise me that they had a slow adjustment. I didn't expect seven turnovers against Rutgers. But the second week, they went to Ann Arbor and beat what was at that time, at that time, considered to be a decent Michigan team that had just pounded Minnesota. We didn't know what Minnesota was all about then either. Yeah. And then uh, they went to Iowa, and uh, the Iowa team that was 0-2 at the start of the season lost those games by a combined five points, took out their frustrations on Michigan State. I think the Iowa Lions are pretty good. Uh, that's a team that is going to yeah. get better. And um, then they played Indiana and uh, fell behind early. Again, lack of ball security. Uh, but they played even um, no points in the second half. And shutting out Indiana in a half is not easy. Right. So uh, you could see something coming. And then after the Indiana game, I said, well, I think they have a chance to show something against Maryland. Instead, they had a week off. And they used yeah. that time to get healthy and prepare for Northwestern, and it showed from the second series of the game. Absolutely. I mean, uh, that was no fluke on Saturday. I mean, that, they, you know, they beat the best team in the West possibly on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, and like I said, you take 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 any team lightly at your own peril. The way I look at it, you know, and like yeah. I've, I've explained to people the the term I'm using, the Big Ten East. If you take Ohio State off the top of it, which it kind of still sort of is, because it yeah. still has zero in the in the loss column, sure. the Big Ten. The Big Ten East is upside down. Isn't that crazy? I mean, yeah. isn't it crazy? I mean, uh, in our lifetime, the closest we've seen to something like this, uh, you and I uh, might have yeah. been in 87, 88, when Indiana was pretty good back then, you know, 87 right. when they right. beat Ohio State and Michigan in the same year. Right. Uh, but uh, it's, I mean, even Rutgers, there's a there's a spark to Rutgers that was not oh, there yeah. a year ago, the last several years. What do you what do you think's behind all this? Is it just the craziness of the year? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with leadership, Tim. Uh, with Indiana, uh, Tim Allen's done a great job, I think, of getting those guys to play, play a style that they can win with. They've got a quarterback who's electric. They've got two really good receivers, pretty good running back, but their yeah. defense is better than people think. Now, Ohio State's going to put up points on almost anybody. But I think this Indiana defense is a little better than anyone imagined it would be. And uh, I think whenever you talk about these teams and uh, leadership, it starts at the top. And uh, the two teams you mentioned, that's a perfect example. Yeah, Greg Schiano. I mean, Greg Schiano was almost tailor-made to be Rutgers head coach if you follow my drift. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he's a better head coach than he is an assistant coach in some respects. Uh but you're right. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, you're you're not just going to go in there and just knock them out of the way in, right. as in the old days. In defense, you're right. right. I mean, Indiana plays is just wild. They know they're going to give up some yards, and they just come after you, you know, <laughs> and and try to force turnovers, et cetera. You look at their pit. I think they've got 16 or 17 interceptions now. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And they, they played their game against Ohio State and were in the game. Yeah, they were down 35-7, didn't quit. Great passing right. attack. Right and smooth over a lot of, uh, a lot of warts. And that's exactly what they did. And, uh, yeah. Rutgers, if they could get just a little more offense, who knows, but you're right. I'm just, now I'm looking at the big 10 West and the big 10 West, you know, when, when, uh, Wisconsin played at Northwestern, obviously Wisconsin didn't have quite a few of its starters yeah. because they were still in that, you know, that ridiculous right. 21 day big 10 protocol, so to speak for people who tested positive, uh, so, you know, they're a better team than, than they showed against Northwestern. But I want to get your take. What, what, what do you think? You, you and I, I was on your program, your, uh, yeah. your uh, highly heralded uh, uh, <laughs> award-winning uh, radio show way back when, you know, when we were talking about the Big Ten and the rules it came up with, et cetera, just to play. 
as you look back on it now, how do you think that's played out? I mean, what, what would you have changed, uh, along, uh, what of the million things you have changed, you would have changed. What would you have changed the most about the way the big 10 set up its protocols, et cetera, to get a season in? Well, uh, the consistency and communication left a lot to be desired as far as the actual dates, times, those kinds of things. I think the Big Ten was always going to err on the side of caution. Uh, we can say 21 days is uh, a week, 10 days too much. Uh, I hope in the long run it's proven that the Big Ten had a reason for doing what it did, and it's wise. And I can still see how with that, uh, let's say a healthy Ohio State is ready to compete and uh, win a uh, college football playoff, which would not surprise me. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll look back on this and we say, you know, maybe uh, erring on the side of caution turned out to be a better thing. I'm seeing a lot of programs be ravaged by this, and uh, somebody's going to be smart at the end of the day, the last one standing. Yeah. You know, the, the thing I would have changed would have been the 21, only because they built yeah. in seven days, you know, from, from when you're first detected of having it, uh, seven yeah. to 10 days, because that's how long it takes the, the, the the pandemic to run its course, the COVID-19. Right. And then, but they built in this next seven uh, days to determine whether or not you have myocarditis, any kind of inflammation of the heart yeah. from it. And then they built in another seven for you to get to do calisthenics again and get ready to play football. And uh, yeah. that's the part I think I, I could have uh, shortened, uh, granted that you've got to be checked out for the myocarditis thing. I give it up, yeah. give it up to them on that. But there have been so few, I think, cases of that popping up across the country, at least based on anecdotal evidence that you've gotten from different places, um, you know, but it's neither here nor there. Where I fault them was they had a perfect schedule set up, uh, uh, 10 games over 14 weeks, all this buffer yeah. built in, playing the championship game on December the 19th. And, you know, it's too late to change any of that now, but that's where they had it all set up and then they backed off from that and then came right. back with, a paint yourself in a corner situation of eight games in eight, eight weeks and a plus game. That's what I have problems with. And, you know, even Michigan state had to miss a game because of somebody else's fault. You, right, know, you see what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And then yeah, absolutely. The, six, the six game minimum to play in the big 10 championship game too. I, I, I understand that, but then I don't because, you know, it penalizes a team for something that may not be its fault. Uh, and, and by its fault, even like you pointed out, just because you have a, an outbreak of COVID-19 doesn't mean people haven't been fairly vigilant. Ohio State's been as vigilant as anybody. Yeah, it's still yeah. in the back door, you know? And, yeah, uh, and I, I don't know when you knew that we were going to have fall football, uh, probably before we did here. The feeling was that it probably was not going to happen for a long period of time. And it took the 21-day period. And it took some other safeguards that we may look at now and say, well, that wasn't necessary to get the votes to change this. This was not an automatic thing. And yeah. it took, took a little persuasion and that was one of the key concessions to make it happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Health, health and safety. That's what they were leaning on. And, you know, anybody can sit, sit back like you and I are doing, or at least I'm doing you're, you seem to have come to grips with it, but uh, yeah, sit back and, and, and especially in, in 2020 hindsight and look at things. I, mean, I was saying what I'm saying, before the season started, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. uh, I had no problem. You know, I was on your show. I was getting apples and right. uh, rotten, rotten bananas thrown at me uh, <laughs> uh, by your by your fans, but I just kept talking. Hey, real quick, uh, <laughs> I used to sit and watch video occasionally with Mel Tucker. Yeah, I got to hang out with Mel Tucker a lot when he was at Ohio State. Yeah, I've always liked him. I told you I liked him when I was yeah. on your show. I thought he had the ability to. Uh, take Michigan State in a different direction, you know, for example, when it comes to recruiting yeah. and things like that. Uh, just what's your take on him now, uh, 11, what, 10, 10 months into his tenure as the Michigan State coach? Obviously, like you said, he got a late start, didn't get yeah. shoved into the corner with the COVID-19 situation, but just what's your take on Mel? Well, he was dealt an impossible hand, but I think he's played it about as well as you could. And uh, I've had some Michigan fans the last week say, hey, you know, I, your program might be in better shape than uh, Michigan's is right now. And yeah, people aren't very happy with that situation. So uh, I think what Tucker has done in terms of recruiting, in terms of 
motivating. He's talked about uh, compete to play, compete to stay. And he's got guys understanding now that there are no guarantees. Uh, they're pretty going to, they're pretty much going to be what they make themselves. And I think they have a chance uh, to continue to improve. Uh, if Ohio State can send any kind of a representative team here, I wouldn't expect the Spartans to win this week, but they get Penn State and who knows what happens in a crossover game. And I think if you had told people at the beginning of the season that this Michigan State team could win four games yeah. and beat a couple of ranked teams, they'd say, where do we sign up? Yeah. All right. Now you live in the heart of Michigan, uh, uh, in the heart of the, of, is that a catcher's mitt or is that a first baseman's glove? <clears throat> I'm trying to remember. Yeah. It's kind of a first baseman's glove, but we're yeah. right there in the pocket of it. Yeah. You're in the pocket of the first baseman's glove and, and the high, high hard one, the high heat, uh, is, is being down in that lower level there <clears throat> Yeah, in Ann Arbor, you know, uh, trying to yeah. get in the strike zone. It is Ann Arbor right now. Right. Jack, you've been around. You've been around this longer than even I have. What's your take on what's going on in Ann Arbor? And you know, people keep asking me. You know, like I'm an expert on Ann Arbor and uh, Michigan <laughs> and uh, Jim Harbaugh. But yeah, what happens after this season? I mean, do you do, do you if you're a college administrator, do you understand that this is? If you look around the country, this has been a weird year. Yeah, do you just let it slide, move on to another year. What happens, do you think, uh, with with all of the hue and cry going on? I think even in, even within the Michigan uh, program, so to speak, what happens uh, with Jim Harbaugh after this season? Well, this isn't all COVID-related. The problems he has, <laughs> he hasn't been upset three times as a double-digit favorite by Michigan State because of COVID. Uh, yeah. he yeah. hasn't lost three games to Penn state because of COVID. Uh, he's not going to be and six against Ohio state shortly because of COVID. Uh, he's not going to be one in four, uh, in bowl games because of COVID. So yeah. if he wants to use that excuse, uh, look at his post-game press conferences, uh, watch his teams on the sideline, the lack of enthusiasm, the lack of effort, uh, yeah. extremely rare. Uh, you just don't associate it with the Michigan program. And I told someone at the beginning of the year that if you offered me my choice of coaches in the Big Ten, one through 14, I would rank Jim Harbaugh 13th or 14th. And I'm going to hold to that. Yeah. Hey, who would be the other guy you're flipping there with him, 13th or 14th? Let's get it out there. <laughs> well, I haven't seen anything out of uh, – Scott Frost, uh, maybe it's something about the prodigal son quarterbacks. Yeah. Lovey yeah. Smith you, certainly uh, has had has had issues, but hasn't had much to work with. But I think Scott Frost has been given everything he needs to win. Certainly, if he asks for it, he's going to get it. Yeah. And uh, Michigan, the same deal. They have every conceivable resource and advantage except uh, wins. Yeah. Well, you saw where Nebraska's pushed back uh, uh, the start date on building their their new, I think it's their new football facility, et cetera. You know, I'm not sure if it's yeah. lack of fundraising or what, but we all know, man, <laughs> you know, money talks and uh, proposed yeah. uh, winning seasons walk. I mean, in, in this deal, hey, little thing, you know, the, the guy who's been sort of overshadowed in the in the hot seat category because of Jim Harbaugh and yeah. his ability to attract lightning uh, is James Franklin. I mean, yeah. I think that was a big win for him on Saturday, but that's just oh, their yeah. first win of the year, Jack. I mean, we're talking about Penn State. I mean, I know the COVID-19 challenge. I know this, that, and the other, but that's crazy, isn't it? It is, and when you think that Michigan has been playing football since 1881 and uh, taught Notre Dame how to play, so they've been yeah. in this a long time, and this is the first time that the Wolverines have ever lost to a team that's 0-5 or worse. That's that, that, that's crazy. So uh, real quick, let me just get your take on I mean, do you yeah. – will there be a different coach at, at Michigan, you think, next year? As you and I sit here and get ready to preview the Michigan State game a year from now, will there be a different coach at Ann Arbor? What's your take? Uh, I think there's a good chance there will be. Certainly the alumni, the fan base want that to happen. 
Uh, I think there's a GoFundMe campaign in Columbus and East Lansing to keep him there. Uh, <laughs> they would love nothing better, Michigan State and Ohio State, than to keep Jim Harbaugh around. Yeah. I know that a lot of Buckeyes, uh, as much as they, they hate Michigan uh, during that week, they like Michigan to be good because otherwise it flattens out that last week of the season, devalues it. Those gold yeah. pants that everybody seems to have in Columbus, uh, you know, they lose their value. Yeah. But uh, I, I would think. <laughs> I, say, that, I, say, I see where you went there, man. That was a good shot, <laughs> shot into the past. But go ahead there. <laughs> How much are you taking? Give me for these gold pants. Not as much as last year. Go ahead now. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, you could say you couldn't even get a good tattoo for four seconds. Yeah, there, there you go. I knew that was coming. <laughs> but, but you're right. So, it does. It does. Yeah. It devalues everything that Michigan's part of, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Big tits. Yeah. And, hey, you know, and, and they, we feel that around here that uh, people said, hey, anytime you beat Michigan, that's an accomplishment. But you say that and people say, well, that doesn't mean anything. That team isn't worth anything. Yeah. So, uh, I would expect there's going to be a lot of pressure on Ward Manuel. Uh, the deal is that Harbaugh and the university president, Mark Schlissel, uh, haven't been seeing eye to eye. And now there's a vote of no confidence for the university president. So yeah. <laughs> uh, who knows what's going to happen in Ann Arbor? They have some very tough decisions to make. And whether Jim Harbaugh would move on to pro football, certainly uh, there are some teams some franchises i'm sure think that hey he did it with the 49ers he can yeah. do it here and he might have a chance to go back and and try that yeah well the great thing about great thing about pro football is you draft and or sign off free agency your players you know and you can replace yeah. people yeah. Uh, yeah. at the snap of snap of a finger the, you know the problem that everybody's looked at about michigan since he's been there, he's really never, they've really never developed a quarterback. I think it's McNamara yeah. kid has some promise of, I like, Oh yeah. I like what he brings, but it's just all these things that you thought were coming through the door. Uh, when Jim Harbaugh moved in have not come to not come to fruition. And it's just, it's hard. Hey, last thing before you go. Um, yeah. As you look at Ohio state from afar, uh, what is it that impresses you the most? If in fact they can make it to Michigan State this week yeah. with any kind of semblance of a full complement team, and there, there will be, I would think there would be some starters missing uh, based on what you're hearing, you know, scuttlebutt, et cetera. Ohio State rarely yeah. announces anything of substance to us, including even the numbers of uh, of COVID 19 situation going on within their program. But what, what, what impresses you most about this Ohio State football team as you've looked at it from afar? Well, the talent, the depth, the recruiting ability, the coast-to-coast -coast appeal of the brand, the program, the leadership. It's hard not to be impressed by everything about Ohio State football these days. And I would think that if they lost six starters, they would be as well equipped as any school in the country, including Alabama, to say next and then bring six more guys in you can win with. So. Uh, a lot of teams would be decimated with the loss of three or four key players. Yeah. Ohio State is probably as close to uh, COVID immune, and I don't mean that in terms of the, the actual illness. I mean in terms of putting up a competitive team as any school in the country. And is this, is this as, you know, like you said, the coast-to-coast -coast brand, Yeah. Is this, is this as good as it's ever been for Ohio State from your vantage point? You go back, you know, you, you go back to the Woody yeah. Hayes days. I mean, the – uh, Duffy Darty, I mean, all yeah. those days, you go back almost that far. I mean, that far. But uh, is this as good as it's yeah. been from your vantage point? Uh, I think it's uh, as good as it's been or better than for any Big Ten team, any school. Uh, I would say when you can go down to Texas and uh, you can get five-star after five-star, some of these guys haven't even seen the field yet. You can go out to the state of Washington and guys who are considered to be in the top 10 out there, and, you know, they've got Ohio State on top of their list, yeah. uh, really is no bounds. It's not a matter of putting a fence around the state of Ohio or, or staying in the Midwest. Uh, Ohio State has national, international appeal. So uh, with the program, with the results, I always tell people when they say, well, look at Ohio State recruit, I said, put yourself in that position. If Ohio State comes to you and offers you a scholarship, you know, what's the problem? You don't like the traffic pattern on campus? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the oval can be pretty big. And that, now what we're finding out is everybody can take online courses. You don't even have to go to the yeah. oval, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. How much Although was John I'm, I'm hearing from Michigan that, uh, you know, that's a big advantage. That's one of the reasons that Ohio State can do things that, you know, the Harvard of the Midwest can't. Yeah, the Harvard of the Midwest, exactly. Last thing, how long will it take? Can anybody in the Big Ten catch up to Ohio State in that regard? Not, not that they can't beat them on occasion. We've seen Purdue and Iowa do that. Right, you know? right. <laughs> but, but can can teams is is this a race that's gonna uh, that people are gonna be playing catch up to for quite a while? What's your take on that? Yeah, I don't see anything changing. Uh, I think Ohio State would have to do something uh, self destructive. Now, schools can make progress. They can climb. They can get better. Yeah. But uh, Michigan State. Uh, in the last decade, I believe, is the only school that's beaten Ohio State three times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for for that to happen, and, and I think there were a couple of other games in 2012 and 2016 that the Buckeyes won by one point. Yeah. So uh, when Michigan State's been competitive, they've been right there with Ohio State. And if you look at the programs, I don't think they're that close. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you talk about Ohio State versus Purdue or Ohio State versus Illinois or Ohio State versus Maryland, there are probably eight to 10 teams in the Big Ten that uh, they don't have players that Ohio State would have had in for visits. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you could take uh, Ohio State's recruiting class and almost any player on that list would be the top recruit at other Big Ten programs. So, you got to figure out a way how to beat those guys with players that they didn't want. I like though how you dovetail the end of this conversation into the fact that uh, Michigan State's been the mo more successful against Ohio State over the last ten years. That was that was excellent uh, journalistic uh, prowess <laughs> on your part. Hey Jack, have a good time at the dentist, man. Thank you for coming on the Tim May podcast again. Well, it's always a pleasure, and uh, look forward to having you on the drive with Jack this afternoon at four thirty and. Fans of Tim May can hear that on the Spotlight Radio Network. Yeah, all three of them can tune in. You got it. Hey, Jack, <laughs> appreciate it, man. All right. Take care. Have a good day, Tim. You too, man. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, uh, Austin, you know of Jack Ebling. I mean, he's got a great reputation uh, across the country of being an insightful person. Yep. Uh, Young man, when young man, when it comes to uh, Big Ten football in general and Michigan State in particular, and uh, you know those are interesting thoughts. You know, Michigan's at a crossroads. University of Michigan's at a crossroads, I think, with his head coach. And Michigan State, just when everybody was writing off Mel Tucker in Michigan State, they pulled these couple of upsets. You know, it's an interesting year in the Big Ten, right? Always is. It's been no one could have predicted anything that's happened here with Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, even the rise of Indiana. It's been a a crazy year, and I'm, I'm afraid that there's more craziness on the way. That's what I was going to ask you. Last thing, your prediction, uh, you know, and this we try to keep these uh, this podcast sort of like timeless to a certain extent, but you got it's the time capsule more yeah. than timeless. But uh, does Ohio State get its game in with Michigan State on Saturday, and uh, does it end up with the requisite games to play in the Big Ten championship game? Your prediction as we speak. I think that they'll – I think they'll pull it off. I think they'll get to play the last – I think they'll get to play Saturday. Again, though, the part of this that, Tim, I don't want to go off on too far of a tangent, you have to rely on the other teams as well, and that's the biggest X factor. We've already seen that with Maryland. Right. And you don't know right. what's going to happen with Michigan, Michigan State. Like, they have to handle their business too. I think 
I guess my prediction is that Ohio State has probably got their hands around their situation and, and should be ready to play on Saturday. But that's not the only factor here. And I just – I've almost had to give up on that part of it. Like, the virus is unpredictable, and I've done trying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You could get the same O, and then all of a sudden the team you're going to play in the Big Ten Championship game can't play. You right. know I mean? What do you do? That? Do you reschedule? Do you, do you throw another team into the Big Ten Championship game? You know what I mean? Uh, et cetera. I mean, it's – yeah, this is far from over, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, as, as usual, I think my buddy, awesome – you know him as Austin Ward for joining me on the Tim May Podcast. We'll be back again next week to chop up what happened, to chop up what might be coming down the road. It'll be – it's supposed to be the game week. We'll see if it is. But until then, this is Tim May for Awesome Ward. We'll see you then. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.